You're listening to a Bellingcat Discord server stage talk titled Analyzing Historical Imagery with Open Source Methods. This week, Bellingcat researchers Anit Masu and Fouquet Posma joined us on stage. Both researchers have a passion for unraveling historical secrets. Most recently, Fouquet wrote an investigation uncovering the mystery around the invention of the solar panel. Anik has recently published a series of geolocations from recovered World War II photo albums, confirming where they were taken and giving insight into a family's personal history. During the talk, they unpacked both of these stories. The talk was hosted by me, Charlotte Marr, on Thursday the 19th of October in the Bellingcat Discord server. experienced researchers at Bellingcat, and between them, they've covered topics such as human rights violations, animal trafficking, and disinformation. But today, they are here to speak about historical imagery and the role open source researchers can play in identifying the secrets of the past. Whilst they are talking, please put all questions in the chat. You'll see it in the corner there. And I'll ask them once we move into the Q&A section of this discussion. So please, Note that I will be asking your questions. You need to make sure that they're written in the chat there. And I'll put a reminder in the chat as soon as they start talking. Thank you so much for joining us today, both of you. Uh, I wanted to first start by asking Anik and Fuka, could you tell us a little bit about your latest work on historical imagery? Uh, Anik, maybe you can go first and tell us a little bit about your recent work on World War II. Hi, everybody. Yeah, thanks, Charlie. Um, so when I was younger, uh, my dad and my, my brother had a huge interest in the second world war. So basically I was brought up with it. Every time we went on vacation to France, we would go to Normandy, visit the beaches. Uh, we even own a, uh, uh, American, uh, Billy's Jeep out of the second world war. Uh, so I always had an interest for that. And um, before I joined Bellingcat, uh, I, I studied uh, history for a year at university. Um, loved everything about Rome and where people killed each other. And then the dark ages came and I almost fell asleep. And they asked me to leave university because my grades were so low that it wasn't, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't really good. I'm still paying for that, by the way. But um um, no, I, uh, so I always had a fascination for, for history and, uh, I was doing a workshop and then I met the admin of a Facebook group and he said that this group uses open source intelligence to, um, find lo- a location from the first and the second world war. And he gave me a, a, a card and then I thought, well, you know what, let's have a see, let's have a look at this group. And I thought, oh, you know, that's really cute. Maybe they have a couple of hundred members. Uh, and I was really, really wrong about that because uh, uh, it turns out they have uh, they have a lot of members. Uh, I, I, I think uh, around 100,000. Um, so yeah, the group was, was really nice. They're really good. Uh, also at, at what they do, they make cool animations with the old pictures overlaying, uh, with, with stream or new images. Um, so I kept an eye out on that group searching for, um, questions people were asking, um, 
uh, to see if they could um, uh, find certain locations. And then I saw somebody posting something about um, the uh, IBCC. And it was uh, um, uh, uh, pictures of an old photo album. Uh, and uh, it looked very interesting. So I dove into the, um, uh, the, the side of the, the command center. And uh, it turns out, so what they do is they have a lot of uh, personal uh, photo albums from family members of um, the people who served in the RAF, uh, the, the English uh, Air Force. And um, uh, these pictures are private pictures. Uh, most of the time, the family members don't know where the pictures are taken. So what they do is they take the pictures, they scan them, and they try to find the location for that. Uh, so I was really intrigued by that, and I decided to have a go at some of the images uh, that I uh, saw. And yeah, basically, I think Google Lens was the big uh, star of the day um, to find the locations. And it was just a lot of fun to also find the um, verifications that it was indeed the right location. And then you see how much is preserved from a uh, pretty long, long time ago. So yeah, that's how I ended up with uh, with my story. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know if you want to hear more about it or that we're going to switch to a uh, focus uh, article. I think it would be great if possible to hear from Fuka's article next, and then we can address questions to the both of you, if that's OK. Sure, yeah. Uh, I'm going to try and share my screen just to help uh, show what I'm talking about. I didn't um, know that was this is possible, Anik. <laughs> Damn it! Uh, so this story um, began with actually uh, somebody who raised the flag. Uh, they got to the inbox, the contact at bellingcat.com inbox. And normally we're very wary about what people then there, we don't like to obviously do research on requests. Um, and it took me a long time to get back to this person uh, because it was very low priority. Um, because it concerned a picture of more than a century ago. Um, and it was this picture. Uh, you see uh, what is described by the Smithsonian, which is which describes itself as the largest museum research complex. Um, um, and their magazine, the Smithsonian Magazine, had this picture up um, saying that a man named Charles Fritz installed the very first solar panels uh, on a New York City rooftop uh, in 1884. So at that time, a lot of you know this research is taking place into both electricity and this new idea of trying to generate electricity from the sun. Um, and photography was uh, getting widespread at that point um, as well. Um, and so this picture is out there. And uh, the person who emailed us was following a discussion on a place called Low Tech Forum, um, Low Tech Magazine uh, and their forum. Um, and they said, well, actually, it looks like they photoshopped the original inventor out of it and then attributed the invention to someone else. Um, because they say the original photo, um, let's see if I can enhance, uh, contains a man, um, which is not Charles Fritz. It's a man called George Cove. Um, and so there's immediately this bit of a tension, right? You see this 
difference between what the Smithsonian is saying and what these people on the forum um, are saying. And there's an allegation of Photoshop, of falsifying history. Um, and so the question was, hey, could you guys clarify what's going on here by any means? Um, and so I put it on my to-do list and it took me like a year to finally have the space uh, to get to it and had a look. Um, and sure enough, digging into um, archived magazines from that time where people discussed new inventions like uh, printing with colors or uh, flying machines. Um, they also uh, discussed the solar panels. Um, and there's a bunch of uh, old magazines there. This one called Harnessing Sunlight, in which they describe, hey, there's this new this new panel thing, invention, and if you put it on your rooftop, it might generate electricity. All of these articles said, Mr. Cove, George Cove, uh, whatever. Um, as you can see here, Mr. Cove and his son, electric generators. Which is weird because, it, you know, we look at the picture that the Smithsonian had and they still say, you know, Charles Fritz, uh, different name, different guy. Um, and he's disappearing here. So the question now becomes, okay, historical research points out this is actually George Cove, not Charles Fritz. Where did the Smithsonian go wrong? Um, and was there, like they, people said, allegations of Photoshop? Um, and it matters because uh, when, I don't know if it's still the case, but back then, if you Googled uh, first rooftop solar panel or asked, for example, Bing or ChatGPT, what's the first, in, who invented those first rooftop solar panels? They would say Charles Fritz because they based themselves on Wikipedia and Wikipedia pointed to the Smithsonian article. Um, so it mattered. This little piece, uh, photo uh, article mattered a lot for the way we understand history. And because it got taken up by Wikipedia, a bunch of articles, um, solar companies, people who were investigating or just looking at the, the history of solar uh, power, all decided that, well, if it's Wikipedia and they source the Smithsonian, this claim is probably accurate. And sure enough, they would type Charles Fritz is the inventor of this panel. Um, so it mattered a lot, but it doesn't mean that obviously that there is uh, bad intent on Smithsonian's part. Um, so I had to dig in and see, first of all, is there any editing going on? Is there any Photoshop going on? Um, and so we did a close comparison, let's see here, of the photos. And the photo that the Smithsonian had was severely damaged, as you can see. And there was also some reflection seen in the photo, suggesting that it was maybe behind uh, some glass and somebody took a picture of it. Um, it's a picture of a picture, basically. Um, interestingly enough, what threw me off at the beginning was that there's also damage right in this corner, bottom right corner, uh, where on the original photo, it doesn't have the damage, you see the logo of the original magazine um, that uh, shared this photo first. Um, so if you're thinking, huh, there's bad intent here, um, did people try to like har uh, hide the original uh, version, then trying to rip off this little corner is a great idea. Uh, but uh, again, I, I don't think there's actually bad intent on the Smithsonian part. Um, the Smithsonian got this photo from a um, professor, I should say, or a uh, 
um, researcher, someone who has written books about um, the history of solar power uh, and also teaches it, this at uh, universities. Um, and they provided it, uh, he provided it to the Smithsonian um, and he said the photo came with a note uh, that said, this is Charles Fritz's thing in 1884. He assumed this as fact and passed this information on to the Smithsonian. Smithsonian posted it on their website. Website got picked up as a source by Wikipedia and that's how it um, spread. Um, so uh, this is simply a different version um, of this moment in time, um, I think. So the idea is that this guy stood there behind this invention. They took a photo, which back then it took a while to take a photo, right? And you would put up this, this thing, the camera, um, and you had to stand there and take a photo. Um, and then he probably walked away and they took another photo, uh, one without him. Um, and uh, the one without him got lost in time, didn't get picked up by magazines. Um, made its way to an antiquary and from that antiquary together with the wrong information now saying that it was Charles Fritz got passed on to John Perlin who again passed it on to the Smithsonian. Um, so how do we know this is just a photo that was taken at a later point probably and not photoshopped? Well, there was the allegation that this for example was simply copied um, to that because originally the person was standing here, George Cove and so if somebody had tried to erase him, they would probably have copied this part and pasted it there. Well, this closer look shows that these are actually two different, you know, pieces. They're not exactly copy pastes. They're different. Um, there's also the small detail of the flag at the background. Um, and it's still up for debate. Um, I think uh, in terms of is this the result of like damage or is did the flag actually move? I think it moved. Um, if you look very closely, and it's almost like pixel precision here, uh, you see that the white stripe in the middle is somewhat different than what we see here. Okay, so that makes sense. The photo was taken at a different uh, time, maybe a later point, and you know the flag uh, changes in the wind uh, every second, and so we see a bit difference here. The rest of the picture completely the same, but this de little detail helped me uh, establish that. Um, was probably taken at a later stage. Um, and so how do how are we sure that the man behind the panel is George Cove and not actually Charles Fritz? And that's the magazines, the old magazines were all wrong. Well, we can geolocate this using historical imagery of New York, which there is surprisingly a lot. Um, at least I found it surprisingly. Like they have a map where they post pictures of almost every street corner and in the middle of streets too, uh, from that time period. Um, and you can geolocate it. You can do old-fashioned geolocation um, and identify the rooftops behind him, figure out the exact address, Maiden Lane. And then if you look for Maiden Lane and George Cove, you get the confirmation from magazines who post adverts uh, saying that, hey, if you want to get in touch with this inventor, contact George Cove at uh, this number, Maiden Lane. And so we're pretty sure that he's standing, or we are sure he's standing on the rooftop of his own laboratory where he was um, quoted as living, basically, and working. Um, so in a nutshell, 
Uh, here's some more explanation on what eventually happened to Cove. Crazy story. He got arrested. He got accused of uh, faking his invention, tying it to uh, uh, Edison wires, which are which back then is what they called normal electricity that we get from the walls now. Um, there's accusations out there that say, well, actually, um, Thomas Edison uh, and his standard oil company were so scared of solar power that they tried to actively harm George Cove. George Cove disappeared for a while. Anyway, these are crazy conspiracy theories. I don't delve too much into these. Uh, but I conclude this story by saying uh, that, um, yeah, the original um, is George Cove. Whatever you're showing on this picture, the first rooftop solar panel belongs to this man, not Charles Fritz. Um, the Smithsonian was off. Wikipedia was off. Uh, the chat bots, chat GPT was off. Um, and we did some historic, historical revisionism trying to make it more accurate here. And that's about it. Thank you both for going through your articles. Really, really interesting. Um, I wanted to kick off the questions. And by the way, if you have any questions, please place them in the chat and I'll make sure that I they're didn't look through my article. Fook was cheating. I didn't know I was allowed to share my screen. I only I only said the beginning of my article. <laughs> well, so I mean, now I, I can I also share my screen, but because now everybody thinks, oh, I think that's really nice, but luckily Fuka is here, so I'm not wasting my time. <laughs> If you, would like, if you would like, I would love you to answer this question first, though, if that's okay, and then you can, by all means, carry on with your article. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you both, uh, just to stick, uh, kick off the questions and answers. Why is investigating historical imagery important? A lot of people will say, leave the past in the past. Why is this important for open source researchers to kind of put effort into? Well, if I look at the, the photo albums that uh, I helped to geolocate, so it also gives answers to the family, uh, people that have no idea where their grandparents were. Uh, a lot, Most of the time, those people are long gone. Uh, yeah, and I can imagine if you see those pic pictures of your grandfather or your grandmother, and yeah, you, I mean, it's a little piece of the puzzle that might be missing, or it's just nice to be able to find that out. I mean, uh, we're talking about uh, the Second World War, but you also see examples of people saying like, hey, this is the last picture I had with my dad when I was little. And after that, he died. I can't remember the location. Can you help me? Um, so yeah, it doesn't have to be history long gone. Could also be a shorter history. But yeah, you're filling, you're filling some pieces of the puzzle that, um, yeah, I, I, it, it can be done with the te techniques now. So um, that's why I think it's it's uh, still important to give people some answers. Yeah, yeah, I would completely agree with that. Um, just just for um, getting the complete picture uh, from the history can matter even even today. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, for my article, like the the fact that Charles Fritz is still being pointed to as the guy who invented that little that that big solar panel thing. Um, it's something that continuously can come back, um, because nobody, uh, bothered to, you know, double check it. Um, and I think it eventually matters. Um, yeah. And in Anik's case, it's a lot more personal, obviously, uh, to people, um, who, who are in that scenario and have family that is, um, 
yeah, that can benefit from more uh, details from those those years. Um, and and the one I had was more about um, yeah, just to getting the the history of something accurate. Yeah, and I like the balance because you have new techniques, but you still need to be creative and eventful or eventful for where you can find your information. Uh, and it's not always Facebook, it's not Instagram. So you have to think like uh, um, a newspaper, a newspaper articles, uh, like you need to be creative where you can find information about that time, which also brings you to new sources that you maybe didn't think of before that could be so, uh, so valuable. So I like that balance as well. <clears throat> Anik, I know you want to talk more about your article, but we're having, a, uh, from what you just said, we're having quite a lot of comments asking about kind of the tools or techniques you use for historical images. So Subtle Knife says, are there tools or techniques used for historical images that are not or less used for current imagery? I think following on from your last point, it would be a nice thing to, to answer at this stage, if that's okay. Yeah, let me think maybe... Okay, yeah, I think m most of my pictures I found using uh, Google Lens, but maybe Fuka. Yeah, so for me, the information really came from uh, like uh, archived material. So going to the Wayback Machine, searching for key terms uh, of magazines, um, places, people, and lead to not just um, written material that recognizes the keywords uh, through OCR, but also images in those articles that you wouldn't find via, for example, Google Lens or whatever. Um, so it's worth tracking the Wayback Machine and just filling in um, those details uh, because they haven't been indexed by Google. Um, and similarly, in terms of uh, aerial imagery, there is still aerial imagery uh, um, out there uh, instead of, you know, all the satellite imagery that we now have, they probably flew over New York and took pictures that way. That also helped me with geolocations. You won't find it obviously for everywhere, uh, but for example, from the Second World War, there's also a bunch of aerial imagery um, available. Um, you just have to think a bit more about, okay, where are these sources of information uh, back then? What were they? And where are they placed right now? And they are obviously in, uh, well, obviously, typically in, in archived uh, places. Um, I've done another story about um, old art photos. Um, and one was in a particular museum in a city and I couldn't quite get it right. Uh, and you could only find more imagery that eventually provided useful if you went to the museum of that city, clicked around on their little website and they had made their own little portal thingy uh, where you could access old historical imagery from that specific city. Uh, um, and there you could find a lot more imagery. But again, that wasn't indexed by by Google um, at all. Um, so yeah, uh, you have to not, not necessarily use different tools like, or techniques, like you're still gonna use geolocation. Um, you just have to think a bit more carefully about where can I find these older sources of information, where are they gathered together? Yeah. Because I'm also I'm very interested in in Netherlands India. So the the, the uh, when Indonesia was still part of of Holland as a, as a colony, uh, and some of the like not really aerial footage, but um, maps made by Allied, like literally maps. 
uh, I found one of the best maps in an Australian university. Um, so it's it's and especially when you're looking for uh, reconnaissance footage, uh, and it's incredibly. Um, if you look at at, at uh, the techniques that we had in the Second World War, but if you look at the quality of the uh, reconnaissance uh, pictures uh, that they made during the Second World War, it's it's incredible. Uh, you can see so much detail still. Um, so yeah, you have to be uh, be creative for you. Uh, find your information um, because it's not as easy um, as now looking at satellite images. And that's that's what I said with the balance. Like it, it keeps you on your toes because I don't have, we, you don't have the luxury. Oh, l let me just go to uh, Google Maps or uh, something like that. So you really have to find those sources. Yes, exactly. I think uh, from what you both said, it really helps train your open source research skills as well, because you have to look in more unexpected places uh, for information of that analysis. Um, before we go to any more questions, Anik, do you want to give a little bit more context to your story? You are saying it very eagerly. I can see your head nodding. Okay, I'll pass it over to you. Oh, wait, can I share my screen now? Or are we talking about uh, the... Okay, yes, I'm sharing my screen now. Okay. Somebody do a commercial music piece. Uh, I need to quit and reopen. Well, maybe it's uh, if you if you share the screen and just scroll through it, then I can maybe say. Okay, let me make this bigger. Um. Yeah, so if you go, so uh, indeed IBCC, it stands for International Bomber Command Center. Uh, and that's where they uh, archive the, um, uh, the albums. And they have uh, mystery items. So they don't only look for places, but they also look for uh, things. And uh, if you're good in deciphering handwriting, they also have cards uh, and stuff like that that they need help with. Um, so yeah, it's uh, um, it's fun if you if you like a challenge and you like um, to try this. Uh, this is a place where you can start. So yeah, if we go back to the article uh, and we go down, uh, we can have a look at the first picture that I saw. Um, and this one was funny. So what I did is. Uh, First go, I just had a look uh, with Google Lens, did a reverse image search, uh, and I ended up on eBay. Um, so there's one of the one of the first examples right there, uh, and apparently it was a postcard. Uh, so what I saw was statue of Queen Victoria, BC. Um, so I did a I did a Google search, and uh, don't forget I'm 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 Dutch. So that might explain a little bit um, because I had no idea what they're talking about with BC. Uh, I don't know. Um, so when I started searching for it, uh, I found a couple of, uh, well, a lot of news articles about uh, red paint being thrown over, the stat over a statue. Uh, and one of the uh, results had a little bit of the same angle that the picture has. Uh, so was interested in that one. And then, of course, I realized that BC sent for British Columbia, um, which, again, I'm from Holland, so I had no idea uh, right away to think of that. 
but yeah, then it was easy to find out the location. And I went to Google Maps, Street View, uh, tried to recreate it. But of course, there's a big ass tree that wasn't there uh, 75 years ago. So um, yeah, so that was the first picture. Uh, that was fun. Uh, then I decided to have a look at a couple of different ones. So using the same techniques, I found this building as well. And again, I think I ended up on eBay first. So that was two results uh, where eBay helped me. Um, this was uh, also in a, a hotel. And then I came to this album. And if you just go uh, up a little bit. So I started with the statue on the right, but you can see that these pictures are all put together in an album. Um, so I started with the first picture. And again, I did, an, I did a reverse image search, but this time was a little bit more tricky because you get a lot of uh, the same uh, kind of results. As you can see, the um, uh, I don't know if it's called the, the obelix or so the, the, the first part of the statue. Uh, but they didn't match up really well with the result. And then at some point, uh, I did see a result that was um, similar right here. And that is, um, if you look at the picture to the left, I don't know if you can see it really clearly, but he's holding his, his rifle. So he's, he's, his hands are resting on his rifle. And you can see just that uh, in a picture to the right. So unfortunately, uh, we couldn't share that that picture. Uh, but if you go to the website, we linked to the to the article, uh, and it gave us a location in in Picton, Canada. And then, yeah, going down, uh, I used the nearby function in Picton, uh, searched for war memorial and uh, came at the right location uh, again. So what I tried to do is, uh, and now serious intervening, um, what I tried to do is I look at um, the street view image, the source image, and I try to also explain why there is a difference. And in this case, there was an extra, yeah, I don't know, there's something in front of the statue that wasn't there uh, when the original picture was taken. Uh, and then it was uh, not that hard to find out that that's an extra memorial that they added after the Second World War to honor all the people, um, uh, all the Canadian soldiers that died during the Second World War that were from that region. Uh, so I like to also explain why things are, are different than uh, the source imagery. So then I thought, okay, we found the first location, um, but it's human nature that if you go on vacation, it would be weird if I go to London and to Paris and then I uh, print the pictures uh, and then I post them or I, I put them in an album uh, mixed up. First, you do the pictures uh, where you are in London and then you do the pictures that you are in Paris. So I thought, well, there's a really big chance that all these pictures were taken in Picton. Um, so I did the same technique with Nearby. Uh, found the first church, uh, and then eventually there was a second one, uh, same technique. And I had a look at the map uh, to see where the pictures were taken. Uh, so these are the first two pictures, the memorial and the first big church. Uh, and then I had a look at the third church, 
Uh, and yeah, that also, I don't know, it makes it kind of personal. So then when you see where the third picture was taken, you can literally see the route that that person took while he was taking the pictures. Uh, went from church to church to the war memorial. Um, so yeah, like I said, it's um, it makes it a little bit personal, I think. You bring somebody back to life for even if it's just for a split second. So yeah, that's that's what I really like about these stories, just bringing um, some things back to life, I guess. Um, so yeah, that was this process of of finding out the, the details about uh, these uh, these pictures, um, and yeah, the tex- techniques that I used to find out where these uh, uh, these images were taken seventy five years ago, or even longer. Uh, but while I was working on Picton and the surrounding areas for, for a while and looking at a lot of satellite images, I went through another album that had aerial views. And then I recognized um, the airport that they, little airport that they have in Picton, um, the shape. And uh, also there's like a very sandy part next to one of the runways. And you also have a a very particular bend in the road. Uh, So it wasn't that hard to uh, match the images. Uh, So thank you for being my scroller, Charlie. Thank you so much, Anik, for going through that. Uh, Super interesting to kind of see uh, how you solved all the mysteries of Picton. Um, I'm sure the folks there are very happy about that. Um, We've got a couple of really cool questions in the chat. Uh, but I also wanted to ask you particularly, um, and please keep continuing to put your questions in the chat, by the way. Uh, I wanted to ask you, if you're new to open source research, how might you flag if you have found something big in historical imagery? Um, for example, Anik, you used um, that Facebook group and a couple of people in there were, uh, let's say, amateurs um, doing some of this kind of work. And Fouquet, obviously you found something that revealed uh, a past secret that potentially was uh, wrongly published originally. Um, If you're new to open source research, what would be your advice if you want to kind of flag something that you've found and you want to amplify it? Um, Maybe both of you can speak to that. I'd say that um, finding the niche community that's interested in whatever topic you are um, uh, investigating or came across something interesting, that's the best uh, ground to place your little seed in, right? Those people are more most likely to engage with whatever you found, uh, especially if it's some historical niche group, like, for example, the, the Facebook group that's interested in aerial bombings or maybe... Um, a local town uh, Facebook group or whatever. Um, yeah, just find that niche community where you can plan something and people will likely engage and help you grow your story. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I think, uh, Fuka, when you did your previous story, did you did you contact uh, Rijksmuseum just to tell them like, hey, I found this and that and uh, I... Th- I think yeah. most of the time, those bigger institutes, they are honestly interested in uh, in the truth, uh, I think, yeah. uh, and having the, the correct details about something. So I think, yeah, if you 
really found something and you want to amplify, but you can also just reach out to them and say, hey, this is what I found. And I think like you might be wrong. So maybe, um, yeah, we can we can talk about it uh, to see if who's right. But um, I mean, the people that work there are enthusiasts, of course, as well. So. Anika, I think your speech has inspired quite a few people to put some of their favorite archives into the chat. So Tony R has shared a nice yes. picture of historical aerial images at the U.S. National Archives, and he's shared the link there. Um, we've had a few other people. Todd Robbins has suggested checking out www.openhistorical.map.org, uh, saying that they're making headway on digitizing maps and history, eventually be more useful for these kinds of investigations. Really amazing tools there. Uh, they also have a time slider, which is great. Um, and Fraser has just posted uh, historical aerial imagery from the UK, uh, from Historic England, which is fantastic. Sarah, uh, one of our mods, <coughs> is going to save them, uh, which would be really useful. Thank you, Sarah. Polina uh, Kalina, I love that name. Uh, she's asked, do you ever work with non-digitized sources and how might you... How might you work with non-digitized sources in, in this kind of story? Um, well, I did go for um, the other story I'm working on. is um, So my family is from uh, Indonesia, a uh, whole colonial history. Uh, but I was really curious about uh, how my family ended up from Indonesia in well, of course, I know the part when we came from Indonesia after the Second World War uh, to uh, the Netherlands, but I was curious how we ended up in Indonesia in the first place. Uh, and at some point, digital archives stopped. Um, but I went to the National Archive um, right here uh, in The Hague. And um, yeah, I dove literally into my, my family history. Turns out that they had a file. Uh, I requested it. Uh, and I could look at, um, yeah, some really old, uh, old birth announcements, death announcements. Uh, so I, I literally, I, I just went to the archive and, and, uh, there was part of my, my family dossier that I couldn't see because there was a technical error. Uh, so I still need to go back, but it turns out that somebody in my family line somewhere far away, uh, decided to write down everything that they found out from the last 500 years of uh, people with the last name Mosu. Uh, and uh, I think I was in there, at least my parents are. Uh, and then uh, I also, uh, I had to clean out my father's apartment at the beginning of the year. And uh, my father uh, started living there when my grandparents just passed away. And let's just keep that, keep it that my father never bothered to clean up their stuff. So uh, we found a lot of information from my grandparents. And it turned out that we found letters saying, uh, hey, we're writing a, a letter to every person that has your surname in Holland because we're trying to find out more about the family tree. So could you please tell us who you are, who your children are, if they have children, when are you born, to who are they married. Um, so way old school uh, family history and just writing letters to everybody, trying to connect the dots. Um, so everything that we do now by just typing uh, our last name or, or trying to find out with um, uh, all the, the websites that you have now, 
uh, yeah, that was a very old school way to do that. But that also inspired me more to find out more about my uh, family history, which basically we ended up in Indonesia in 18, uh, between 1872 and 1874. That's when my part of the family arrived there. So yeah, the things that you find out about your family. Nick's uh, going to have a video come out on our YouTube very soon on her journey, finding out um, some details about her family. Um, Anik, just on that, um, and sorry for me to keep you waiting, but Anik, just on that, somebody's just asked, has anyone tried this tool from the My Heritage genealogy site that aims to date historical photos? I'm wondering if you, if you used the photo data at all in your work? Um, and if not, maybe you could talk a little bit about some of the sites you did use um, that will feature in the YouTube video. No, I didn't use this one. Uh, I did try to peel information from my heritage uh, without paying. I'm sorry, I'm Dutch, I'm cheap. Uh, it's true what they say about us. Uh, but um, uh, by using uh, Google operators to see if I can find more information. Uh, but they also, so a couple of the the sources that were very valuable was uh, in Holland, there's a site called Delver. They digitized a lot of newspaper articles, magazines. Uh, they have pretty good uh, OCR, so you can search for names. You'll find so many birth announcements, uh, deaths. I could literally follow one family from the moment they got married. They had children, not all children survived uh and then very tragically the dad dies uh, and a couple years later the mom dies i think the oldest child was 11 and i can remember that i thought this is really sad um yeah can you imagine 11 years being a, uh, being an orphan uh and then i later found out that that literally is one of my um great grandfathers so uh, that was really weird later finding out uh reading about their story and then finding out that you actually, um, yeah, you're a descendant of them. Um, so uh, newspaper articles, Delver, uh, we have a website here called Open Archives, uh, but also the um, um, Dutch state made very high quality scans of my grandfather's um, uh, card, uh, person card for the internment camp, but also, so after, uh, Indonesia was liberated from the Japanese. All the Dutch people there got the, the option. You either become Indonesian or you become uh, Dutch. You get a Dutch passport and you had to fill in a card uh, with a lot of information on it. Um, they digitized 6 million of those cards. I think it was 6 million, a lot. Uh, and they digitized them. And then on August 15 of this year, uh, they were released. So I found my grandfather's uh, request to get a Dutch pass uh, passport. You could see his handwriting because he had to fill in the card. Uh, you could see extra details. So what we didn't know is that my grandmother's sister, I, I knew the sister, I can remember from when I was young, uh, but she was married and her husband died in one of the internment camps a month before they were liberated. Uh, and we never... We never knew that, and we even I even found a picture of where he is uh, from his uh, from his grave. Uh, he's uh, buried in Indonesia, so yeah, you can find out some very interesting stuff um, doing family history. 
but it's really uh, juggling around a lot of um, sources, especially if you do uh, this kind of history into your own family, um, research into your own family history. Mention then uh, Dalfa, which is a, a Dutch news site. Um, both you and uh, Fuke used uh, kind of magazine and news sources in some of your work. Um, what kind of sites do you visit to kind of find old publications? Um, uh, Fuke, maybe you came across some that uh, haven't been mentioned yet. And you can read. Um, what kind of sites do you visit to find old records, basically? So for the oldest records, it, it, yeah, the Waybacker uh, machine um, is my my go-to archive. And then depending on the context, um, it really depends on your niche. So for the old art album uh, investigation I did, um, I'd go to all of these different websites of museums and local um, facilities that would like engage with uh, imagery. Um, and for um, yeah, that same story, actually, I also wanted to investigate the person who might have taken those photos. And it was in Calcutta in 1850 or whatever. Um, and I could trace his uh, lineage, lineage through my heritage. Uh, and I did pay, uh, Anik, <laughs> you can declare the cost. <laughs> um but I did pay uh, for one month, and it was worth it. Uh, I found I found um, a descendant who was actually writing a book about uh, her grandfather, great grandfather, uh, because he was an artist. Um, but she was she was very old, and she wrote me long emails about how, how her health and how she fell down a small stairs, and it was fun. Um, yeah, it, my heritage was useful. Yeah, I haven't seen the tool uh, that people shared. It seems very interesting, but um, yeah, that's one of the websites I used. Sorry, I was I was just grabbing uh, the photo album that uh, I found uh, in my in my grandmother's stuff. It's um, very colonial. Let me say that it's it's. I mean, there is. A there is a risk if you do history or research into your family history, like you can always find things that you're might not be very proud of. But back in the day, this was uh, normal, but I found um, very colonial pictures um, of like family pictures with young children holding very big rifles, hunting rifles. Um, and and uh, stuff like that, and I'm trying to see if I can somewhere quickly turn off the blur so I can uh, show you a picture. I do this a lot lately, holding up family albums in front of the... Uh, oh, it's blurring. Damn it! I'm sorry, it's blurring. But uh, they'll be in the in the in the video. Oh wait, my blur isn't gone. Charlie, why didn't you say so? Now it's gone. I'm sorry, I did not clean, by the way. Wait, let me show you the very old pictures. So they're like really, really old. Very colonial. Um, I even have 
pictures of my grandfather's grandfather. And a generation before that, but I don't know how you call that. So my grandfather's grandfather, father-in-law, if you can still follow. Suki just said they've been digitized by the stream now, uh, which is very true. Um, we've got lots of people continuing to share some really cool sites. Uh, Proton TYP has shared historical aerial imagery from 1946 Switzerland is available on the site of the Federal Mapping Service. It's awesome. Uh, USA historical aerial photography at earthexplorer.usgs.gov, another site to check out. Um, you both mentioned, and we're going to be wrapping up soon, so if you have any questions, please place them in the chat now because you've literally got seven minutes. Um, but you've both mentioned doing quite detailed analysis of historical imagery. My question is, how do you then visualize that in your head as you're going through the different parts? Is there particular tools that you use to kind of visualize some of this thing, and particularly with your family trees? And through case, you're trying to map kind of the timeline of events and time and again, overlay those two images together. Is there certain uh, tools that you've used to kind of help visualize your findings to yourself and also to the readers? Yeah, so a basic basic tool for the storytelling at least was a uh, slider of the historical photos. And then you try to take a modern photo that somebody took from almost the exact same angle of like an old church or a mountain in the background. And then people in the article can like do this. Uh, obviously, me at home is just trying to put two pictures together uh, in these programs that we use and then looking very carefully at details. Um, but yeah, that's that's something I I like to use for the storytelling at least. Yeah. Yeah. So I at some point uh, I just created um, uh, my own family tree in the mind mapping uh, program uh, because it, th there was no way I could keep track of it. And I, like I said, I was interested in in which part of the if when we moved to Indonesia. Uh, so I. That way I could add if they were born there or if they were born in Holland. Um, and apparently I have um, in a different city uh, in uh, Tilburg, there's also part of my family far away. Uh, but somehow, yeah, we're the only rebels that uh, started and ended up uh, here in The Hague. Um, so yeah, Charlie just shared the, the program that I used. It's an open source program. It's free. It's, it's, it's easy. Um, but yeah, I really had to keep track of it because you, I was just diving into websites, uh, and you are following a certain person and their parents. And if you don't do that, you're, you're not, you're going to lose track of it. It's, it's just too, uh, too complicated. Amazing. Yeah. That program is, uh, Y Ed, Y E D, Y Y Ed. Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> You can find it online and yes, it is open source, um, which is awesome. People are continuing to share some amazing ideas about places you can find imagery. Uh, Blurdon's shared, not imagery, but if you're doing genealogy, the 1940 and 1950 cons censuses are great resources in the US, uh, www.archives.gov. 
uh, which is awesome. Thank you so much for kind of sharing uh, those links in the chat as well as we've been going through this. Really useful, not just for each other, but also I'm sure for Anik and Fuke, who hopefully are going to be continuing this kind of research. And that brings me on to my last question, just as we're wrapping up. What is next uh, in this area of research for you both? Is there particular um, archives that you would like to explore? Is there something that you feel uh, is um, underrepresented in terms of the historical imagery uh, documentation and review? Um, is there a place where you would encourage other people to kind of look into things um, if you're not yourself going to kind of focus in this area in the next few months? Uh, Anik, okay, feel free to, to answer that question. Um, well, like I said, the IBCC, uh, I mean, they really have a good digital archive and they have so many pictures that still need uh, geolocations. Um, so I would recommend people to uh, go there. Um, so when a couple of weeks ago, Charlie, you pointed me, I think in Mastodon, somebody linked an article to us saying, hey, maybe you guys can find these locations. It's a BBC article of somebody that um, restored some very old slides. Uh, I wanted to look into that, uh, but now, yeah, we're pretty busy with everything uh, that's going on in Israel and uh, Palestine. Uh, so that's sucking up most of the time. Uh, but I'm really trying to find more interesting angles. Um, but it's difficult. Uh, I mean, I Googled for fun once, like, oh, a big um, uh, history uh, uh, mysteries. Uh, don't do that because you'll end up uh, trying to search for Hitler's gold uh, and stuff like that. It's uh, So, yeah, it's it's something that you need to, I think, bump into. Um, with most of the, the topics that we sometimes write about. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just so much fun and so interesting. And I found out uh, so much more about colonial Indonesia and, and, uh, also everything, all the internment camps and how everything went over there. Um, so I, I got a better sense of my own history as well. Um, so that's, it's it's interesting and for me it was really worth it but um yeah no i'm i'm definitely keeping my eye open for for interesting new stories and see what i can find i uh don't have anything on my radar actually in terms of historical uh research um but if something something comes across i don't know yeah we'll see like this this from the solar panel it just randomly popped in my inbox so who knows what what we'll look at, but uh, I don't have any plans particularly. Um, but there's there's plenty of avenues for people to do investigations. I think one maybe interesting angle is the lost and stolen art, um, which it's a bit you know um, similar to the historical uh, analysis, not completely. But there's a, um, databases out there that contain a lot of um, art that went missing during World War II. Um, and they are black and white typically uh well always um and you can try to colorize those with ai to see what they would look like right now and try to do some reverse searches and see maybe they are hanging at a different museum right now or in somebody's personal collection who knows and then try to figure out how did this painting move from be getting lost in world war ii to this person's uh collection 
um that's that's an interesting exercise i think if people want to go down a rabbit hole yeah i love that tip uh really digging into stolen art what a fun thing to do at the weekend honestly um thank you so much for sharing uh obviously if you have any tips on historical imagery if you've got an image you want geolocating or chronolocating and you can through your bellingcat contacts they want them please inbox them on discord um and somebody actually in the chat has asked whether we have a historical imagery uh channel on discord and at the moment we don't but maybe it's something we should look into uh, especially uh if there's interest um, and I'm sure Anik and Fuke would spend a lot of time in there. Um, thank you, everybody who has joined the talk today. Thank you so much for uh, spending time here with us, especially with the busy news cycle going on. Uh, Anik, Fuke, thank you so much for joining the chat as well. Um, this recording will be posted as a podcast on our SoundCloud and on all places you can find podcast platforms. Um, but for now, thank you so much, Anik and Fuke for, for joining us and uh, hopefully we'll get to speak to you again soon you're welcome thank you all for attending thanks everybody thank you for listening to the stage talk if you'd like to catch a stage talk live where you can ask the guest questions join the Bellingcat discord server by visiting www.discord.gg slash bellingcat the music you've heard is titled Dawn by Newer Self and is courtesy of Artlist.